to another Sonic Talk. This is Sonic Talk 305. This week you can see I've actually got my lower third right, which uh, makes me feel a little better in myself. Uh, but also, you might notice that we've got some lovely lights. We've, we've souped up the studio, put in a load of LED lights, and uh, things are just getting better because Mark's video's just turned up as well. So that's fantastic. So uh, anyway, Sonic Talk 305. Um, let's go to Mark first because he's there. We don't want to lose him. Mark sporting yet another hairstyle today. Um, Indeed. Mark Tinley, likebeing.com, uh, creative uh, thinker, sound artist, and um, recording artist with an album out at the moment, uh, TV Mania, right? <laughs> I'm 50 as well. I was 50 on Monday. Can you believe oh, that? Congratulations. <laughs> Happy birthday. Oh, no, now Thank you've all you. spoken. Mark's gone, so I have to re-switch. Here we go. There he is. I've chased him round. No, there he is. That's Dave Spears. There. That's Dave Spears. <laughs> Stop talking, you lot. You keep messing up my video. Anyway, Mark, great to have you aboard. Thanks for joining us. And hopefully, um, I think I've said uh, 3.05 this week. I'm on holiday next week, but we're hoping to get like an interview with uh, some of the people involved in the TV Mania project. There's obviously Nick Rhodes, uh, Warren Cucurullo, uh, Anthony J. Resta, and your good self, amongst others. I'm sure there are others. I listened to the album today, and there are more people. So hopefully we'll have a little kind of uh, pre-recorded segment that we can slot in for next Wednesday. So you... Uh, uh, yeah, Sonic Talk people can can get your fix, and hopefully it'll yes. be video as well. Well, we're going to talk about some interesting stuff, actually. So um, ah. uh, we've got a little invitation for everybody as well. So ah, okay, right. Anyway, thank you very much, Mark. And we'll now say hello to uh, Dave Spears, just purely because he's operating the next available celebrity square in my matrix. Even though he hasn't finished eating his lunch, there Almonds. he is. Almonds. Yeah. Uh, they're supposed to be very good for you. Yeah, they Dave are. Spears, G4Software.com, uh, makers of fine virtual instruments and reason rack extensions, all of those things. And uh, there's a mini up there. You see your, mod- your model oh, D, yeah, yeah. your, your mini's showing. Got, yeah. <laughs> My so daughter sh- calls her thing a mini, actually. I, I got should... that back from Kent, and there's a VP330 here, which is very nice as well. Oh. A few things. I have to say, before we start, I've had a really interesting week. I have been doing your PR for you. Mine? By, by meeting your chat room people. Really? Namely, Mr. CR78, who was an absolutely top bloke, who came bearing gifts and things, which I have to send you on top of the gifts that he's already sent. Oh, wow, well, yes, I wanted to say thank you. Um, CR78 sent a kind of care package. We've got some lovely, um, I think they're etchings or lino cuts. I'm not entirely sure of, the, of them. Uh, I should be able to tell because my mum's a printing, uh, actually is a printer, so she should be able to tell me. And a couple of DVDs and some just great stuff. So thank you, CR78. It's really very, very kind of you. And I would have loved to have come up and met you with Dave, but uh, sadly, um, I couldn't. But uh, uh, it all went well then. He wasn't. He wasn't a it nutter. Was right, no. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting a nutter. I think he thought I was a nutter by the time he left. No, it was really good fun. Really good fun. So yes, I don't know whether he's got back yet. He left, I think, yesterday. Yep, there he is. Well, I don't know if he's back, but there he is in the chat room. Oh, cool. Oh, HG so, yeah, says if anyone else, else wants to send anything, uh, the minute tenors are good. Yeah. I sent that, how uh, you wanted, uh, did you get it okay? Yeah, that's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Dave Spears, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, a pleasure to have you as ever. And now uh, we're going on. We've got a, a, fulsome, a fulsome collection today. I'm very pleased to say also hello to uh, Mr. Rich Hilton, who's been off gallivanting about the world, doing gigs and... Just work. Work stuff's getting in the way. Have a word with your boss. It's not good enough, mate. (laughs) (laughs) It is good enough. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Thank you very much, Rich, for joining us. I know you must be kind of still still going round um, by the sounds of things. You've been off. You've been to Tokyo. You've been. Do know you went to Germany, Europe, right? Yeah, and other places. Switzerland. Yeah. Uh, So uh, have a good time. Yeah, really good um, for the most part, and. I also, while I was there, had the opportunity to meet with guys from Ableton, uh, from Native Instruments, uh, and from PreSonus, ah. uh, all of whom were lovely and gracious, and we had a nice time and nice conversation, and I learned a thing or two, as always, and really enjoyed that part of it, you know, the social part of it, and Excellent. saw another old friend from the Steinberg days, uh, and uh, very much 
I didn't know I knew so many people in Germany, but it turned out to be like, you know, one lovely social experience. Oh, that's great. Uh, did you get a chance to see um, non-Eric in Berlin or was that uh, one? I didn't. Oh, that's I a shame. I didn't get to see him. Actually, come to think of it, there's one that went, that got by There's me. so many people. Your diary was too full. Yes, it worked out, yeah. And, uh, oh, it was good. It was really nice to see uh, old friends and make some new ones and learn about, you know, the new Ableton stuff. And uh, Yeah, well, I've got one of those here, actually. And uh, a bit more about Studio One and stuff like that. So it's been fun and educational. Excellent. Um, what did you think of uh, the push? I'm guessing you had a go. I've got, I've got one just here. Oh, yeah. There it is. It's a bit blue. I think the frequency of the um, LEDs causes it to be a bit fuzzy on this old DV camera I've got in, so it doesn't, it's not actually normally such a crappy shot as that, but uh, it's, quite a, it's quite a beautiful thing. Um, so did you, have you had a chance to kind of get some in-depth, you know, play it without... And, and Howie. And, Somebody reminds me that I and was... And Howie, uh, Howard, of course. Yeah, of course, that was a great day. So when did you get back? Uh, anyway, well, let me answer your question about push. Yeah, push sorry. is great. I love the feel of the thing. I, ca- I get the workflow. I understand it. It was shown to me by a guy who helped develop it. Um, I happen to be a pretty good finger drummer. So uh, not, you know, uh, of the, you know, Jeremy Ellis kind of live drums triggering samples. I'm not practiced at it, but I'm a pretty good finger drummer. And so I could get those scales down pretty quickly with my right hand and uh, be operating other things with my left. And I could make music on it. Right. I mean, that's the thing that they're really pushing. I mean, the one thing that I did, I did notice, because we did a, a, a Gaz uh, came over and had a look at it. And the first thing he said was, how can I re- enable a record a, an audio track? Because I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. It's great. Now I want to throw a vocal down. And suddenly uh, you can't do that because uh, you basically have uh, – there's no button to kind of go, new audio track, go into record. And that was just, just the one little thing which is uh, well spotted of him to, to get. I don't know if you get a chance to – had a chance to check that out, but uh, perhaps – Yeah, I can't, I can't speak to that at all, actually. So maybe that's right, yeah. But we'll see. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for joining us anyway. And um, – I'm waiting for Gaz. Gaz has just gone, so uh, he's sort of dropped off the grid, so I'm not quite sure what's just happened there. It's just one of those bad technical days for uh, um, for a variety of people by the looks of things. Let's see if I can get him back um, if I just quickly call up uh, so we can start to uh, to cover our... Yeah, the, uh, uh, to, to respond to a question in the chat room, yes, the pads felt good. They were spaced well. It It feels like a playable surface, and it's got a nice responsive resistance to it that's not too hard and not too soft and it no it feels good it's it one really one thing that i would say is it it's built like a tank you pick it up and it's like yeah. wow this is a solid piece of equipment it really feels because i think it's about four or five hundred quid for the actual hardware i mean it comes bundled you know there are bundles and what have you but it's something that you pick up and you don't think yeah well that feels like it's going to be too expensive you sort of it feels like it's worth some money that's yes. the thing. The buttons and the, there's different kind of buttons and all sorts of you know the positive feels to certain. Some of them click, some of them don't. Some of the, the pads I'm told are kind of are supposed to be like really thick, go right down into the machine, which is kind of gives you a very resistant playing surface. So you get some real kind of yeah, it's a metal case definitely with a rubberized kind of um, exterior. Uh, it's yeah, it's very uh, very solid. That's, that's Geeky Disco ask. Uh, sorry, uh, Sonic three eight five four asking in the chat room there. Uh, just yes. So um, I don't know where Gaz is. Uh, I don't know if anyone's seen. Let's see what's happened to Gaz. Uh, oh, he's gone offline. So I guess he must have crashed or something. So perhaps we could start off with the the news. This this is something I spotted actually. Billboard were a bit on fire. Their fees are on fire because I think partly because of South by Southwest, but also because. Um, uh, Quincy Jones was 80 on March the 14th, which is, I just uh, didn't, it kind of really blew my mind that he was. I don't know why. I mean, because when you look at his, his, uh, his, his work rate and when he started making records and producing, like, in 1961, he, uh, he's done uh, so many things and loads of Grammys and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I think I got a, uh, I've got a Wikipedia entry here, um, which I no doubt is not entirely um, right, but I mean he's been having kind of 
charting singles. 2010, Sanford and Son featuring T.I.B.O.B. and Prince Charles. So he's been working with the R&B crew as well. So lots and lots of stuff. I mean, a really kind of impressive work rate. I don't know. Um, I, I guess we've probably all got sort of favourites perhaps of, of what he's done I mean obviously you know we perhaps many of us grew up with the Michael Jackson stuff and the Jacksons and what have you um, Dave Quincy Jones I get a feeling that he's uh, he's someone you kind of dig I've never heard of him oh I'll go to <laughs> no, Rich come on that's a terrible thing to say um, no mega go to Rich because I reckon Rich might have an anecdote I'll just say that uh, some of that stuff he did was I mean, the Michael Jackson stuff is just sort of obvious, isn't it? But a lot of the film score stuff he did in the 60s, awesome. I mean, pretty much everything awesome. But your question was what? Uh, have you got a favourite? How do you produce or something? Was it, how do you... Oh, yeah. Well, I was the, the, one of the things was, I mean, he's worked with all of these things, these guys these guys and gals. I mean, you're looking back, you know, there's Dina Washington and people sort of back, presumably in his early, early jo- time on the job, I'm just working with kind of people with uh, with the creative force of Jack Michael Jackson and, and and no doubt numerous others. I wonder what it's like to actually how you can do that. How you can work with somebody who has such a force of creativity. Uh, or maybe I'm thinking in terms of production, it's a, you take a different role as I would ordinarily think about it, which is you know I'm kind of trying to help realize certain things i, I don't know I, I maybe i should go to rich because i'm yeah, go. i'm fumbling so rich <laughs> i'm guessing you probably are familiar with a few quincy jones um tracks over the years have you ever worked <laughs> yeah. with the gentleman met him um didn't work with him but he uh did meet him and he sat just off to the side of the stage i was on at montreux last year during the uh, jazz festival while we were playing next to claude knobs and uh, I looked over and went, wow, <laughs> that's Quincy Jones and Claude Knobs. Um, and stayed for the entire show and spoke very highly of it and everything else. And uh, met him very briefly that time. Long been a fan. Uh, I think um, what's not maybe well appreciated is the role he played in bringing uh, black band leaders to prominence in America through the 60s including a time where he led Dizzy Gillespie's band. I believe he participated with Count Basie. He wrote film scores, some famous television themes. He was a trumpeter. Yeah. He was a, he was a schooled musician who studied in France with Boulanger and people like that. He, he's a, a historic figure of our lifetime in that sort of entertainment history kind of way. And he also seems to be a very, very nice man and obviously extraordinarily talented. And I love his work. I admire it and I love it. Sort of proper old school producer, I'm thinking, you know, in this sort of sense that, you know, production for me is it has a slightly different kind of uh, um, role as I would imagine it would for him, you know, because I'm, I'm kind of a hands-on programming guy. I probably, you know, go try these beats, this sort of thing that were emanating from me, whereas I'm guessing somebody like Quincy Jones, although obviously incredibly musical, would have people that he you know, really knows and trusts extremely well to kind of articulate some of what he needs to do on instruments that perhaps he doesn't play on. So it's more of a managerial role. I, I am guessing wildly, but it's just an interesting... That's my thing. Um, only real story about the whole Quincy Jones thing is that somebody I used to know, I think it was this person, were, uh, the band got Quincy Jones to produce, but when they turned up, I don't think they ever met him. It was just delegated to Quincy's people. And I've often wondered how much that cost. <laughs> oh, I know what you mean, but that, that's the sort of thing. I remember that sort of thing happening to me in remix days. We were we 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 commissioned Steve Hurley, Steve Silk Hurley, who was the main guy at the time, you no know, CC Peniston and all that. And it was just like, yeah, he's going to do it. So all our mixes had to go. Yeah, you know, that chord progression. Da, 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 da. You know, ev- everything he did had the same chord progression. So, and then we sent our thing off, and we were really excited, and it came back, and uh, it was by Morris somebody for Steve Silk Hurley under the. You know, so I felt a bit robbed. You know, I mean, because it still cost an absolute fortune. But I mean, that's, I mean, that's just the, that. That's the brand management. That's a slightly different yeah, thing to. But I mean, you know, I'm guessing you look at the work rate on his Wikipedia page. In, like, 1961, he did a couple of things. Then, um, you go to 1962, or, um, let's have a look. No, it's not that. It's, yeah, 1960, 1954. Then 1955, there's kind of, like, five or six. And it's just, his work rate goes up enormously. So he's doing tons and tons of stuff. And, obviously, during those times, 
you know, there was no computation. There was no kind of quick way of doing things. It would be sitting there doing the takes, getting it right, and rehearsing the band, presumably. There's a really excellent uh, documentary, and I can't remember. It might be on Quincy Jones. It was done in the 80s, and it's him working with, mainly with Michael, um, Jack, sorry, James Ingram. There's a little bit of Michael Jackson in there, and Michael McDonald. And they're programming stuff and they're playing bass lines. That Yama be there on the on the on the mini mo. They're playing those bass lines and it just and there's Patty Austin in there and stuff. And it's just this brilliant program. I wonder whether it is up on YouTube. It would be really excellent. Is there a, is there again. a shot of Quincy? Is Quincy Jones on a Fairlight somewhere? Have I got a kind of recollection of that of him playing something on a Fairlight for, on Sesame Street or something? I got this kind of recollection. So actually, so does that mean Quincy Jones did the James Ingram thing? I, I forget the name of the track. Which, where the Soul to Soul groove came from. Ah, okay. Yeah, very likely. Mm, which, you know, launched a, th- a thousand careers, mine included. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, I think we might have Gaz back now. I'm just going to try and get him while we've got, uh, while we, while, while we've got a, a lull in, in the moment. Mark, are you kind of, have you worked with uh, Quincy at all or come across his, his uh, I'm sure you've come across his work at the very least. Have I worked with Quincy? <laughs> if that's, a, that's a fair question. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. I've never met him either. Um, I do remember being quite obsessed with his, uh, like when that Michael Jackson album came out. It was Thriller, wasn't it? I was quite obsessed with his production for quite a long time and couldn't and wanted to understand how he got a lot of his sounds. But I was looking at his Wikipedia page now as well. I was just spinning through it. And I saw this and I thought, my God, that would have been a gig to go to. It says, Miles and Quincy live at Montreux with Miles Davis. Could you imagine what that show would have been like in 1993? I'm trying to think of the two trumpets pieces that they could have played together. <laughs> <laughs> but just, I mean, that calibre of musicianship put those two on a stage together. That's got to have been a really amazing show. Yeah. Incredible. What is it about? Is there something about a trumpet players then? Because Herb Alpert did a lot of production as well, didn't he? Oh, yes. I liked Herb Alpert. What is it? Is what is it, Rich? Is there, is there something about um, um, trumpet players that suits them to 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 music production more? I don't know. Is that, Boy, it, there's that, there's that kind I of even start to walk down this road. <laughs> I'm you know me too well. No, 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 no. I'm not going here. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Herb Alpert was a uh, instrumental figure <laughs> in uh, recording history, really, with uh, the pop music ensembles of the '60s that he founded. Uh, you know, the Tijuana Brass and then Sergio Mendes. He's the first one who gave Sergio Mendes a break in the United States. Sergio Mendes apparently was a star in his home country and came here and became a star because of. Yeah, whipped cream and other delights. Somebody was in the chat room. There you go. That was we're, we're, get, we're getting there eventually. I knew it'd come up somewhat sometime. And then eventually he became sort of a pop star in his own right. But he, you know, A and M Records is him. That's Albert and Moss. It's yeah. him and a name Moss. Yeah, absolutely. Suzanne Vega's label, in fact. I just found this documentary. Ah, the many lives of Q. It's on BBC and it's on YouTube. Oh, I'll God give you a link. He's gone to pot today. There, thank you, Dave. Um, put it in the chat, chat room, and then perhaps. Uh, oh, oh no, I'm uh, not in the chat room. I'll put uh, it in okay, the all right. I, I will put it in the chat room. Ah, oh no, uh, it's probably there. It is. I'm going to put it in the chat room now because I can. Uh, let's see. Uh, no, I didn't say that, McCreature. M- M- I said chat room. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Gaz, we got you back. And what was your you Quincy Jones? I mean legend and and sort of still I, I don't know how much he's still working but i mean a very long and lustrous career wouldn't it be a kind of great to have even one tenth of the credits he's got mm, yeah i mean so funky some of the tunes he's done like they call me mr tibbs do you know that one right what a tune i mean what a tune it's like it's so it's so massive the amount of work he's done isn't it i mean you know obviously michael jackson uh sort of dominates uh and in the list he dominates that list doesn't he obviously would do but um but i mean what a long career as well isn't it you know many many phases of his career it, it's unprecedented really isn't it i mean is yeah i mean that's a good question is he still working do we i, mean, I think well 2010 i think was the last credit listed on wikipedia so maybe he's just uh slowed down on his uh web page update <laughs> Doesn't you do quite so much I mean, of that that's... these days, perhaps. But 
Um, Amazing. But that Amazing. does raise a question. Because I, 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 by the way, hello, Gaz, because we didn't get a chance hello. to introduce you because uh, we had some connection <laughs> problems. But Gaz Williams, yeah. Gaz Goldstar, uh, song surgeon, bass player, uh, producer, yourself. In fact, I'm just about to go on tour with Carl Hyde on his solo project. So uh, get all of that stuff in now. Mm, and, and, and increasingly mad hair, has to be said. I mean, very jealous. Well, I, I realise now I turned 40. Well, just, I, you know. You want to you you let it go. Care. You I don't have to out. care anymore, do you? <laughs> you can so, tell rehearsals are over, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's... Uh, yeah, I think it's like... I'm like Samson with my hair, but I, I get more crazy as my hair gets bigger, so it's... Um, Excellent. Mm. So uh, uh, that, there was one question that came up that in align with this topic was, how how do you approach working with such kind of large creative talents? You know, it'd be like sort of producing Prince or do you know what I mean producing Michael Jackson who I'm sure has an you know not I'm, it's not only just the ego aspect of it but the the sort of large amount of creative force that you've got I mean what would the role of a producer be in that situation I'm guessing Rich you're probably have witnessed a lot more of this because obviously Niles worked with some really big names and he's a big name himself I mean how does that kind of tend to work in terms of the dynamic you know as a general rule obviously not expecting any trade secrets as a general rule, the producer will figure out what his proper role should be in any given project without assuming that it's the same as the role he had in the last one. Ah, that's an interesting, interesting definition. That makes sense. So when you sit down in a room with one particular artist, their needs are going to be different as a performer than some other artist you're working with, and your role will vary according to those needs. And being a successful and good producer, I think, is largely wrapped up in understanding that and responding to it in an effective way. Ah, okay. It's interesting that you say that, because I remember um, I talked to Flood, um, did an interview with him, and also um, just seeing how he worked with Goldfrapp when I did a... There was a brief period when we were together in the same room and doing... kind of working on, you know... The same tunes, etc., and it was it, that's very much the same case. I mean, you define it, you t- you talk beforehand, you kind of figure out what it's going to be, that you, what's expected of you, where the artist wants to go, you know, all of those kind of things, and then you can just presumably you you're also managing the project from a from that sort of point of view. Is that part of the gig as well? Just ha- making sure it all runs and that that things are on time, because that used to be the traditional role as well, didn't it? The kind of booking the session guys and all of that sort of thing. It can be. If that's what the artist demands and needs. Sometimes the artist wants to start two hours before the producer does. You know, uh, Bowie was classic with that because he's a, a, a AA guy and he gets up at five in the morning. So by eight o'clock, he's pacing around the studio whether we're there or not. <laughs> so you try to get, and even though he's called the session for 10 out of deference to the fact that we all live far away, you try to get there early because you hate the thought that the guy's walking around the studio waiting for you. Yeah. So it happens all different kinds of ways. Like sometimes, yeah, you got to like call his hotel room and go, hey, uh, we're here at the studio. What are you thinking? Um, and then other times you're, you know, you're running to catch up with them. Ah, yeah. That, I mean, that must be the kind of one of the challenges as well. If somebody's just got this outpouring of stuff. <laughs> it's, comes- any, it's a creative social circumstance and you want to facilitate that creative process any way you know, that's reasonable. And so you'll do what is required in that circumstance. It's like making friends with someone in a way. It's, it's an interesting thing. You know, they're all different. They're yeah, never yeah. the same, not from, ever from one to another. And anybody who tells you he's got a method that works for everybody, I think, is uh, cheating himself and his clients. Or perhaps not a producer, something else, yeah. No, no, no. he's a producer, and maybe some guys need that, but yeah. I, it's not how I would choose to approach it. I don't think it's as much fun. I uh, got you. Okay, that's very interesting. Thanks for that. Um, incidentally, David Bowie first uh, top twenty, first number one album for twenty years. The latest album's gone in number one. Yeah, yeah. And the previous one? That was the one that you worked on, Black Tie. Correct. Excellent. Was that? Did that go to number one too? Not here, but there. Ah, yeah. cool. You're here, yeah. Where I like that. I, that. We've talked about that before. Actually, there was a track on the uh, Jump, which I really liked. Yeah, <laughs> that was uh, the first day. There was I love also. The idea. You want to do what? <laughs> no, I just love the idea of walking into a studio with somebody like Quincy Jones or David Bowie and just going, 
Quincy, put the kettle on, will you? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Given the right dynamic, that wouldn't be. You know, that wouldn't be problematic. That would be a problem. That was a little bit like Paul McCartney's experience working on the Chaos and Creation in the backyard, which he worked on with uh, Nigel Godrich. And um, you know, and Nigel Godrich, you know, he's more famous for uh, his Radiohead production. You know, um, he he sort of said, right, you know, I, I'm not going to sort of let the you know the huge star factor of McCartney affect the way he wants to. Uh, you know, work with um, McCartney, and so when McCartney was actually showing him the tunes, he was going, "No, nah, no, nah, no, nah, not very good. Don't like that. Don't like that." And McCartney <laughs> initially, he was, uh, he was initially kind of, he was taken aback by this um, because he probably wasn't used to that. You know, he's probably used to people probably say that, but in a much more gentle way. So you kind of go, "Yeah, that's good. I think I prefer this one, though." Yeah, you frozen, Gaz. Mid anecdote, mm. great anecdote too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, uh, oh. Me. Mark Tinley, you've been very quiet. <laughs> you still hear me? Oh yes, yeah, I can. Well, you're I'm back. The, I've realised that I'm now the voice of sane and sub, sane sobriety with my very neat haircut. Yeah, so. you're looking like you've got a sort of. There's a certain. If you had a cowboy hat, it wouldn't be out of place. You've got of the course. got the neckerchief <laughs> and the short hair. Got a horse in the back garden. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for the eco thing. What were you asking me? God, what were you asking I, you me? You know what? I've forgotten now. It's such a long oh. time ago. Um, um, Quincy Jones, favourite? Oh, yeah, back to Quincy Jones. Oh, just produ- I mean, producing, working with people who have, who can take up a lot of space in the studio, both kind of charis- charismatic-wise, ego-wise, and certainly creative force. You know, how do you, how do you kind of get to do what you do in a sort of environment like that without kind of because I mean the, the, I guess the instinct yeah. is to be sort of like oh well whatever it's you like you know and not just keep quiet until you're asked kind of thing rather than just go yeah this bang 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 you know and, is that what I'm hired for kind of thing it's part psychology isn't it I suppose and just um, uh, knowing when they want your input and sometimes they don't and sometimes you can turn around and go well I don't know about that and I've had people turn around and go no, we don't don't want your opinion you're always putting your opinion and we don't want to hear from you and then they argue amongst wow. themselves about it but sometimes they'll turn around <laughs> if one of them wants to strengthen their opinion and they know I'm going to be on side they'll ask me for my opinion so yeah I, I have had I have made some terrible blunders though. Oh, I went too. to the studio with a Japanese man and I I thought I was producing him but it really he just wanted me there because of my name I think and poor deluded soul <laughs> <laughs> Ah, so you were you were you just got to swivel in the swivelly chair for a, f- a couple of weeks, yeah? Well, I, I no, we just, I it just uh, was a really really strange um, uh, relationship. It just uh, it just didn't work. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. Sometimes you walk into a studio with somebody. It doesn't matter how famous they are or how many things they've done or what they've done. You can walk in and just gel with somebody and it works. And whether you're producing or just. You know, even making the tea for someone, I think it has to gel at some level. Yeah, I mean, I guess the thing is also with production, I mean, you're not likely to walk in, they've phoned up and said, can you make it on Monday? And that's the only communication you get. I mean, you're likely to have some kind of common ground before you get into a room with the person like that, I guess. There's a great... uh, don't argue, just stick massive on the track, says JB in the chat room. <laughs> and don't forget the compressor. Yes, excellent. That's what I make my tea, damn it. Uh, lots and lots of uh, handy tips there from our chat room on uh, the, uh, on the, the, the <laughs> production techniques. Um, but brilliant to know that, I mean, as far as I can tell, Quincy Jones still alive and kicking, looking really healthy and just kind of presumably just enjoying a bit more of a chilled um, time of life, as uh, I'm sure he deserves at this point after working for so long. I mean, 1950, I think his, his credits start in like 1951. So that is, a, you know, working working in the music, I guess, starting as a trumpeter. So that's 50, 60 years plus. That's, that's a pretty impressive uh, uh, track record right there. Um, okay, what have we got next? Oops. Oh, wrong mouse. I'm in this sort of too many Mises kind of scenario. Ah, uh, I like this one. This just, just because it is. Assuming it works. This is uh, footage from uh, what what they brilliantly call. Um, this is the AES Pacific Northwest Synth Fest. 
and they call this room the synth petting zoo which I just thought was absolutely classic because I've been to a few like animal farms and they have like little petting synth, pet, you know, animal petting corners and it's it absolutely spot on <laughs> describes what is going on there some great machines there as well cheap at four various other bits and pieces well, that looks like some of the tip-top um, video synthesis stuff. Not sure what else is there. This was posted by a chap called Daniel Spills on Vimeo, uh, and this was uh, yeah part of the AES. I don't know what that is. I like the look of that. Um, do you know what? I don't know that Dave Spears, you've ever mentioned going to one of these things. Have you ever been to one of these things? I know because I met. I first met Mark Tinley in the flesh, you know, in person, after ten years of online collaboration at the one in Cambridge, which was great fun. Um, although ten, I went with a sort of video production point of view head on and was confronted with a room full of people who don't tend to look one in the eye. So it's quite a, a mismatched set of expectations there, I think. But uh, I don't know, Dave, have you ever been to one of these things? When was the last time you went to a kind of synth petting zoo? <laughs> I just like the idea of that as a, well, I think that's a great headline title. We weren't entirely sure who were the animals and who the, no uh, in all honesty we've done this we've taken our stuff to various things and um allowed people to play on them and do things and in some ways it's been pretty amazing because you know a lot of people have never had the opportunity a lot of kids in particular have never had the opportunity to get the workflow of a mini moog and just make that connection with the kind of physical tactile instrument they're all too busy using reactor and stuff like that but um that was that's really quite gratifying, but the last time we did it was in Sheffield, and I just we thought it would be quite good. We took the eight voice. We took actually pretty much a load of things, and we came back with about a thousand pound repair bill. So that's <laughs> yeah, that's the last the, time we're going to be doing that. That's the terrifying thing. Uh, John Vanity in the chat room says uh, that thing that I wasn't sure whether I like the look of was a three uh, a mono three oscillator Steiner Parker. Yeah, nice to know. Steiner Parker filter, of course. Um, isn't that what the filter that the Mini Brute is characterised after? That's quite an interesting sound. Unusual, shall we say. Um, I know, Gaz, would you... Um, well, actually, no, Mark, you've been to one of these things. I mean, have you been to one since? Have you felt the need to go? Because we've been... Um, um, we, we, that's no. where we met, didn't we? Um, did you go... You came on the... Did you go back or did you stay... I can't remember now. It's been... It was so many years ago. I did try and go I again. Love but I, could... I love the idea of it, but... Um, um, the communication there is a bit weird, isn't it? And, and that's saying something from somebody who's diagnosed with Asperger's to think that it's difficult <laughs> to communicate with some of the people there. And that's not because I find it hard to communicate. I mean, they, re- they really are locked in that little world. I mean, and sort of somebody to have a laptop on a table with a thing in front of it and they're just kind of pressing this thing and you kind of like go, oh, what's that then? And they just don't talk to you. I, I found that very hard. But, Hello? Um, is somebody there? <laughs> Yeah, I love the synths, though, and I love the idea of people getting together and having all those different synths in the room, and I spotted a couple of interesting things in there. There was a... I didn't understand on... There was a... Is it the Dofa system? Had, like, this something that looked like um, a weird kind of um, fractal kind of almost like a Mother of Pearl section in the top of that rack. Did anybody else oh, notice that? No, I didn't. That? It passed me so by. Thinking, what was that? It's, it's either some kind of special controller the guy had made for it, or he'd just kind of decided that it looked it would look nice with Mother of Pearl in the in the. It, it's entirely possible. I mean, rack. the Euro, Eurorack has an awful lot of... Uh, it's not just... The Dofa is the, the same format that Dofa use, but there are so many Eurorack modules. So, I mean, it could be one of many, many, oh, many different oh, things. it could have been so. anybody else's. It could, yeah. Right. It could. It absolutely wouldn't necessarily be a dope thing. I know, Rich. I mean, you used to work in synth sales. I mean, have you been to one of these things? I mean, because they have them. They pop up all over the place, don't they? In the, in various uh, territories of the US, they have you know the, the Pacific side and the Central and the Eastern and the, all sorts of synth things. Have you had one near you that you've cared to uh, visit? Not so much a synth thing as an audio thing. Uh huh. Um, and not many of those. I mean, uh, they're outside of the AES show. So, I mean, out of interest, that's I mean, interesting thing is like, where do one, where does one, some a, a gentleman such as yourself who wants to go and try out some synthesizers or a range of whatevers, where do you go? I mean, do you have to kind of set up an appointment and go to a dealer? I mean, what you know, that that's kind of there aren't really, there is no venue for this kind of thing really anymore, is there? Apart from sort of DIY organized stuff. 
I usually view these things as an opportunity to create a social relationship which will lead to the right solution for that, whereas I don't think of them as a particularly good place to try and do that, right. which is actually try the thing out. Okay. No, I think I, – yeah, I, I guess so. And the, 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 the more thing is you can make a connection and then try something out. That makes sense. Gaz, have you been to one of these things? I've I've been to like a bass playing one. Oh, that's, so a, that's an equivalent. That's accept. That's an acceptable that's form of uh, petting yeah. zoo. <laughs> but the thing I thought was quite sweet though is just how everybody at uh, that thing that I went to anyway. You know, everybody was kind of so warm and friendly to each other. Uh, just being as like we're all in the same gang, so to speak. Um, yeah. So you know, which is quite fun. But no, I've not been to a synth one. I'd love to. I'd love to. I've always loved getting my hands on things yeah um, the, the only one that, that i know of is the one in cambridge which is uh, it's mm-hmm. quite a it's quite a trek from here anyway it's mm-hmm. like three four hour drive so it's you've got to be dedicated i think i stayed there it, i can't remember the name of the college but it was a bit like a doctor who set it was like built in the 50s by the bloke who funded uh, founded radio rentals uh, it was yeah very peculiar um uh, but actually the closest i've come to that recently was going to see dan wilson hideaway studios because uh, me and gaz just did the imini um app but we also got a hold of a model d at the same time uh, and dan wilson was the guy who lent us his model d very kindly i know he was he was ever so <laughs> he, he was being very casual about it but i could tell he was really quite nervous about it leaving his company and uh, uh, and it was great to actually i've never really or not for a long time had my hands on a moog and it was great to uh, to actually do that but also while i was at his place he's got the Novacord and you know, just standing in front of the thing and looking at it is pretty astonishing. It's an amazing instrument. It wasn't unfortunately working at the time, but there's also he had. Is it broken? It's yeah, when it's broken, but that's it. Doesn't it? Is apparently is a capacitor gone. Um, okay. But the uh, the other stuff I saw was Eminent there, which was really amazing. Then went up to his little studio place where he makes all of his uh, instruments. If you go to hideawaystudio.co.uk, uh, you can get. He makes these sort of uh, low cost very interestingly constructed things uh, in the sort of hollow sun vein out of, of like valve oscillators and that kind of stuff and he's just got a whole bunch of really interesting things and that was that was nice that was really good i enjoyed that so that's a similar sort of thing so that's the, the club that was more like private appointment um but yeah kind of good fun um okay uh, let's have a look oh yeah did um I've got a video somewhere. I, mean, I should probably I feel like I should play something. What do we want to do next? Do you want to do the um, the, the the news about Prince at South by Southwest? There's quite a lot of uh, um, stuff coming out of South by Southwest because that's the big music festival in Austin. That's sort of it's it's not I'm not sure whether it's new tech or music. I think it's a bit of both, but it seems to have ballooned in recent years. And Prince yeah. uh, played. If I've got it here, I think it was. Um, I have got. Well, it's quite interesting because it was a music industry seminar thing initially, wasn't it? Yeah, and, uh, that's right. And it, it's just become, over the last few years, it's just become much more than that. It's become like a... It's the well, place it to be and that. the place to be seen, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, and so with Prince playing there, that really just does kind of really show that it's reached that massive point there. Um he did, one of, he did one of his legendary cool. gigs, apparently, which was, uh, you know, hours and hours and hours of, uh, and, and, and finished at 3 a.m. And at one point he said, uh, he, he, shout, he said to the audience, Austin, don't let me hurt you. You know how many hits I got? <laughs> I just thought... But uh, it's, all re- it's been reported in Billboard and it was quite a nice write-up and it wasn't sort of written in, a, in an at all sort of condescending or uh, unpleasant way. It was just like real kind of, this is amazing. And apparently everybody was just do- totally blown away. And it really reminded me of the times when he used to tour, um, you know, in the, when he was more Prince rather than the artist, as it's now called. Uh, and he he would do these after shows because he just kept going and going and going. I mean, he was just like, a, you know, he just couldn't stop playing. And I just so wish I'd ever been able to see one of those things. I, I think I went to one. Oh, really? In... When we were in, we went and worked in his studio for a bit with Duran Duran, and then afterwards we got invited to this show that just was in this place, and everybody was kind of crammed into it, and the, the whole band were in there, and it kind of went on forever. So I've definitely been to one of those. I can't quite remember how I got to it or when I. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember anything because about it's it. A long time ago, <laughs> not because I was wiped out or anything, but. I do seem to remember. I do seem to remember it was like he played the same tune for two and a half hours. It seemed like that a bit to me. But then, 
I don't always follow the, you know, the <laughs> finer nuances of that style of kind of jazzy funk, I suppose. Uh, but okay. an inc- well, they're all incredible musicians, actually, all of them, all of the people in his band. Yeah, no, it sounds about it. What about you, Rich? Have you had a chance to kind of uh, have one of those uh, Prince experiences? Is a Prince a guy that kind of... Um, I don't know whether or not he was as big in the States as he was in Europe, actually, through the time. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I am guessing here. Yes, it was really huge. Okay. <laughs> Got any Prince um, stories? Well, I saw him in concert and was blown away. Uh, I think I saw him twice, actually. Uh, he was amazing. Um, worked next door to him at Record Plant LA for a while and used to stand outside his room and listen to him work. And one day he emerged from that room in advance of his bodyguard and looked at me up and down like, what are you doing here? (laughs) And, uh, basically beat a path to the door. But, um, he's an amazing musician. I hold him in extremely high regard. Yeah, no, it, uh, and one of the sort of last remaining true eccentric pop stars, really, in a kind of way, you know, in that sort of total stardom, even when things weren't going so well for him, he's still got this sort of amazing aura about what he does. I, I, you know, he's big, big soundtrack to my uh, formative years, definitely. I have one story, went to, we were on tour in, uh, in, and we were doing promo and stuff in Paris, and we had to go to various TV studios and radio studios. It was all, you know, we had this driver called Guillaume, who was a very louche kind of individual. And uh, one, he drove us around and we said, oh, take us to a couple of bars and what have you. And he was, t- and uh, funnily enough, we got him really drunk and then he drove us back to the hotel, which kind of didn't, didn't really occur to us as something that shouldn't have happened at the time. And, uh, but he told us a story about, because he used to, he drove for Prince when uh, Prince was in Paris, you know, doing whatever it was he was doing there a, you know, a month or a week before we'd been there. And he said that he'd, uh, he had this um, like mobile um, studio parked outside the hotel so that he would just get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, go downstairs and like record and then come back in. And he said he played him tapes and stuff on uh, as he was driving around. He'd sort of give, give Guillaume tapes to put in the car hi-fi. I'd go, what do you think of this? I did this this morning at you know, 4 o'clock in the morning or whatever. And uh, and he was saying that it was just like really mad stuff, almost sort of semi-classical, just really d- totally, you know. So he's obviously, it just sort of can't, it just comes out of him, you know. He just can't stop himself. And obviously he's very talented musically, so he, I'm just very jealous of uh, somebody being able to do that. Although it obviously must haunt him because he can't ever sleep based on that sort of stuff. Well, um, and neither can, neither can the people who work for him. And during the time we were there, their lounge was a campsite of security guys and engineers because you never knew when he was coming. It certainly wasn't when he said he was coming. So then it's a question of when do you sleep? You sleep when you can. So they'd just go to sleep and wait for him to show up. Wow. that is. And then they'd work until he said, I'll be back later. And then you go back to sleep. And the, the lounge was a campsite. That is hardcore. I can't imagine what it must be like working like that must be very difficult i know that there's a a van morrison had a studio outside bath and occasionally musicians i knew would get the call to go and work with him and they just said it was absolutely terrifying because everybody would just stand around and he'd sort of wander about stomping and they're just going to go one two three four and it was like what now what what are we doing and nobody knew and he'd just sort of look at look at people and expect them to get the key and what have you it's just this sort of here it comes ready catch it you know must be quite stressful but ultimately very thrilling as well i'd imagine I'd love that. To work that way. Put me in there. Yeah. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Ah, if well, I, you... If, I can, if yeah. I can turn up with, like, petrol and firecrackers and some other sort of, like, distractive things so people don't notice so much that I can't play very well, I kind of want to go and join in with that. Pyrotechnics. Well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I can do it with a synth, I suppose. So what you I need, know. Mark, is, like, lights like this behind. And I, I was going to get them on chase the whole time. I thought it might be a bit distracting because that then if people are not looking at what I'm doing or paying much attention. And it's just, you know, you can make it look different. That was the thing. <laughs> I could lend you some, actually. They're very good value. I got them from Toman, believe it or not. Funny story. You buy... Oh, well, not all that funny. But if you're, in the, if you're, if you're doing video stuff and you think, oh, I'd like some of that, uh, you have to make sure you get the right lights. Uh, and it's it's very hit or miss because what happens is lights, when they're LED lights, when they flicker, they're, they're actually switched on and off at uh, a pulse width modulation of the of the um, 
of the voltage. So they're going on and off very fast. And if you get uh, ones that just aren't very good or uh, just to have got the wrong setting, they flicker really badly on video that you can't see. And the first lot we set up, we were, we were about to shoot the Korg thing. We'd hired them from this place along the road. And they're great lights, they're just obviously a bit older. And I put them up and everything just sort of went like this the whole time. And it was like, oh my God. So yeah, if you're going to do that, try them out before you buy them because uh, otherwise you'll end up in that terrible situation. Well, funnily enough, I'm about to do that, so maybe you can give me some advice, because I was thinking I needed to do that for my birthday, buy myself some light. Ah, buy some light, yeah. Uh, well, oh. I t- actually, the ones we got were from Toman. They're like 40 quid, and they're RGB lights. They're a bit, Perfect. Fun- bit funky to use. And then we bought this um, eight-channel American DJ uh, DMX lighting controller. It's a bit of a head... A head, you know, messes with your head setting up DMX with multi-channel stuff, but um, you can get little dongles and run um, open source software on your computer that will set up all the mixes and the colour fades and all of that stuff. It's quite, it's a whole new world. Excellent. So, there you go. Um, okay, we got any more topics that uh, anybody's itching to get onto? There was the... Um, that man. The van! The what? We did the, the van. van! We got the, the van! van. The van. Oh, the, van. the Bernie Worrell. That chap playing the piano. He was just... Awesome. The chap Talk about him. Wh- uh, which one's that? Oh, my God. Bernie Worrell. Yeah. Ah, okay. I, uh, that's the one thing I didn't really research very well. I'll play it now to see what happens. <laughs> see what goes on. There we go. This is the Kickstarter project. Bernie Worrell, who is the guy. He's the... Now, get me... Is he the guy who wrote... Who, who played the synth line in, to- in Burning Down a House? Yeah, he did the synth stuff. But, I mean, come on. He's like Mr. Synth Bass. Let's have a look. I'm just going to see what happens here. There we go. Guessing this is uh, him making an appeal for uh, the P Funk legend. He needs a 15-seat touring van for his Bernie Worrell Orchestra to promote their new album coming in 2013. In fact, we had a um, a video, didn't we, when they the, the Moog 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 uh, posted a bunch of kind of classic, uh, well, funk keyboard players playing um, Sub Fatty and various other things on the Moog stand at NAM, and Bernie was one of them. So, Dave, you posted this, so uh, I'm handing over the baton. Off you go. If you can get rid of the Elvis. Elvis? Oh, I'm the totally sorry. Got it. No, uh, this was posted by... In fact, I, I spotted it because Michelle Mokusa had, had uh, put it on her Facebook, and it was... It's a kind of weird day. I'd been doing a lot of negative things. It had been a particularly horrible day, and I was just like, oh, God, you know, firing, firing DMCA notices off left, right, and centre to a load of arse hats. And uh, then all of a sudden, this kind of popped up, and I went and looked at it, and it was something like $17,000 they'd got and with the target of, what was it, 35 or 25? 35. 25. They've got, 25. In fact, there it is. It's 25, and in fact, they have uh, indeed overshot it by about 7,000 bucks. Yes. And I just thought, you know what? It's People need to put something back. So I kind of put it on my Facebook and circulated it around loads of people. I donated for something myself. And I think I woke up like two days later and it just kind of exceeded the amount. And it was oh, like this different. kind of joyous moment where, you know, things had gone. Because he's a massive, massive influence on me, base, you know, synth bass line-wise. Right. I loved all that Parliament and P-Funk stuff, absolutely. And, and I just thought, this guy just needs a van. He just needs a van. Let's get him Let's a get van. Let's get him a jet. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I want these. Get him a helicopter. Yeah, carry him around on a throne for the entire (laughs) tour. That's my kind of attitude. Uh, But yeah, no, it was a kind of joyous moment where it just sort of went from, you know, a day of negative nonsense to this kind of, you know, 24 hours later, it's like. Bernie got the van. Ah, oh, I hope you. I wonder what sort, of, what sort of van you get for thirty-two grand. Whether it's a hire or a, yeah, it'd be interesting. Uh, that, there is a very similar story in Bath actually at the moment. The Bell Inn, which is a legendary local music venue, been around for years and years and years. I mean, I kind of grew up there, saw bands there. It's where you know my my partner was a barmaid from the Bell. I'm very proud to uh, to have said I actually 
you know, met. And uh, one of the ladies behind the bar, I actually managed to persuade to... Uh, to come back to my house one day. Uh, anyway, I, I've probably shut up now, but but they have the same thing. The, the place is being sold and they've put together a, um, a kind of like a, a cooperative. And the initial thoughts were, oh, it's just a bunch of hippies. It's never going to work. But they've actually done it. So tonight Ooh. I'm going to go and check. I, I didn't have any money to put in myself, but I flew the flag and sent it around to a few people. And I think I raised a few grand for them. So, um, yeah, similar kind of thing. Great. Really, great. If we can't look after our own, who can we look after? I feel like this guy, you know, gave me something as a kid. And it was oh. just this. And also people like Dave Smith and Moog. Uh, donated a couple of instruments, didn't they, that were going to be signed by Bernie, and then, you know, obviously just... Uh, I, don't, I think they were like 700... They weren't even auctioned. It was just like, you know, you promised 750 bucks, and you get the instrument, and it was just like, wow. yes, yes. That's a neat idea. It was a great moment. I like that. Yeah. Mind you, touring, that's going to be... That's going to be... I'm not sure how old Bernie is. He's not looking... Uh, He's most youthful in that. Um, so, I mean, I hope it's a, a very comfortable and and, uh, and warm van. Gaz, you're there. You're flashing like crazy. I don't know what's going on. Your camera's gone oh. very funny. Um, I don't know. Uh, but, I, I mean, what I thought was really nice about that Kickstarter was, though, that it was kind of a fairly, not humble so much, but just a kind of, just a quite an honest, simple appeal, really. And, uh, uh, oh, dear, I really am flashing. <laughs> yeah, just switch your video off for a sec and then uh, switch okay. back on again. We'll see. Sure. Ah, it's gone. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, no, it's a great idea, isn't it? I mean, that's the thing about yeah. it. It's, it's got, you know, it's, it's good to have. It's yeah. nice to hear those kind of stories, particularly when all you hear around here is kind of, you know, bankers getting massive bonuses. It's sort of, mm. it doesn't feel quite, it, it's not in the same spirit as we like here. So this is kind of nice that that's happening, right? Yeah. Oh, hey, I'm back. You're back. Stationary. Um, yeah, no, really good. And it's sort of, it is quite interesting, this crowdsourcing thing now is sort of becoming less of a novelty and more of just a reality and just regular. And this is a, a, a great example of it working, you know, because, I mean, how many fans has he got across the world? You know, plenty. How many fans would he need to to get to that r- amount of money? Not a huge amount. So it's kind of, practical and and good really um well look at that 342 backers that's an average of uh, about 100 bucks a person isn't it yeah great also <laughs> so uh, and, and just to to kind of follow up what dave was saying i mean you know he is an amazing he's a big influence on me as well i mean he i love that p-funk stuff and he is particularly funky <laughs> so and, and he still is now i mean the clothes he wears and he's just he's a really cool looking guy he just wears these kind of cosmic jackets and uh, uh and he just has got such a nice he's got a really nice vibe about him as well so yeah congratulations i think it's great news excellent yeah um i don't know uh, mark have you got anything to add what I've got to add is that I love that bass line. I've always loved that bass line. And to hear somebody playing on a piano, I mean, I know pianos are quite hard to play, but to like, you know, for me it's hard to play. Um, to, to, to just see somebody with like kind of like doing that is just like so cool. I'm just like, wow. And the thing is that bass line is completely original and it's, and it's complete. So it's a really cool shape in that it kind of goes all the way back around all of the notes without losing any call, whereas most bass lines kind of like plod along in a key and when you change key it loses the feel and it keeps the feel. And then I think he actually plays every single note in the octave without going out of key either. So I just think the man's a genius and that's all there is to it really. So Excellent. I, yeah. I, I, I loved it. I, I love uh, all of that uh the talking head stuff that was just absolutely brilliant and I didn't realise he'd done that until quite recently. Until in fact till we talked about the Moog thing. Um uh, the the Nam Moog Moog artists playing. Rich, got anything to add? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but yeah. Good luck, the Bernie. other thing I might add is that I do think that Prince might have played that bass line for three hours when I went to see him at that after <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that the same gig where I taught Prince how to get some luck with the ladies? That would probably <laughs> be the same one. 
Dave, I'd imagine that would have been it, yeah. Ah, uh, no, no. <laughs> All revealed. The wounds are healing now, I believe, are they? <laughs> <laughs> no, he asked me for some tips, and I said, this is the way to do it, Prince. Right. And if you want to know how to dance, invite me back next week. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, and, oh gosh, it's quarter past five. I guess that could mean that we might be um, at the time uh, that we might stop for the day, I know I've got um, a few more things to do myself. And uh, just to reintroduce you to my lovely lighting here. So I'm very pleased with that. And, of course, don't forget, we're going to have a bit of uh, Ableton Live, uh, Ableton Push action coming soon. I'm going away next week, um, mm. so there won't be a live show. Um, but hopefully we're going to get together with Mark Tinley and a couple of his collaborators on the TV Mania project and have a sort of pre-recorded section for next Wednesday. That's the plan anyway. So if we can do that tomorrow, Nick, that'd be fantastic. Can, yes. I, uh, can, can I just say something that I was going to say at my intro, but I didn't? Um, I've, I've been playing uh, with Cubase 7 quite a lot, and um, I've, I've kind of gone back to Cubase now for various reasons. Uh, I know Rich isn't a fan, but I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm thinking that some of the things now in Cubase 7 are just blowing my mind. The chord track is absolutely spectacular, wonderful thing. For me, it's just absolutely so exciting. And it's, I really recommend people who maybe use Cubase or interested, just check out what the chord track can do. That's it's, the one that you... I'll ask you a question. My voice... Yeah, your voice got. Yeah, Mark. Mark's got a question for you. You've got an iPad, haven't you? Because I've got an iPad for my birthday. I'm very pleased. Join the club. Uh, But you've got you've got an iPad, and uh, you've got Cubase. And have you got the iPad version of Cubase? Because I fancy having something really powerful that I can walk around. Yeah, check our review. Check our review, guys. Mark, we did a on Sonic Touch. We did a a kind of Cubase. Check our review. What's the compatibility like? I think it's. Oh, you know what? I'll go and watch it, and then I can find out. It's it's only one way compatibility. Compatibility, so you can. I don't mind that so much. I just okay. want compatibility. That's all. Yeah, you do get compatibility. You can open. There's a little plugin that you download for Cubase uh, that allows you to sort of import Cubase's projects in, um, and that and it's actually reasonably good. But when if you watch our video, me and Nick found that it doesn't line up. Uh, sorry, things line up. Okay, but some of the plugins sound a bit different, and but it's kind of it's pretty good in that respect. So yeah, that's that's, that's cool. But uh, what I was just going to say, um, using the chord track, I've got the new TC Helicon Voice Live Two, which is like a kind of vocal processor, and in conjunction with the chord track is a really it's in, it's an incredible thing because what happens is you put chords in into the project, and uh, and what you can do is you can make all your tracks then follow the chord. So if you're using MIDI, but also audio, if you decide to change the chords, it'll, if you've decided that those tracks are set to follow the chord track, then when you change the chords along the chord track, then it, all your audio and MIDI changes as well. So from a songwriting point of view, it's absolutely amazing. But what I'm finding using the Voice Live Helicon with it, I've got, um, I've got like a MIDI... I've got the MIDI kind of coming into it. Basically, I can sing along and all the harmonies just fly with the chords and it all syncs really, really well. And uh, it, it, from a songwriting point of view, it's amazing. I'm loving it. So I just wanted to say that really, just in case anyone was on the, on the fence about that kind of thing. I think it uh, it's really is quite super. It, it conforms audio files as well. Yep. Wow. Yeah, and you can then take an audio Polyphonic file. Polyphonic audio files. No. Like it's parts. No. But what you no. can do is, if you put a monophonic audio part in, you can then generate harmonies that follow right. the chord. Okay, That fine. follow the okay, chord. Very good. good. I just wanted to be clear. But, 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 yeah. I, can, I imagine that's going to be quite useful live as well, because if you've just got that playing along and you, you're throwing the yeah. chords into into your voice live and you've got a backing vocalist going on. I mean, that's what um, Howard Jones and Robbie Brunnerman did. They set that up so that the MIDI would come out of Ableton following the clips, so the arrangement would, you know, and then uh, I forget the name of the singer, um, uh, Laura uh, Clapp, I think was her name, and she would just sing and the MIDI went to the voice live and I think that still works with well, Howard's vo- vocals live as well. So this is what we're doing with the Carl Hyde thing, actually. We're using, we're using the uh, voice live as well, um, 
Angie Pollock is playing the notes live. So she's actually playing it, and it's kind of generating harmonies off Carl's voice. Uh, and that's we're using that extensively in the Carl Hyde, Hyde thing. So it's quite cool. Uh, but just, just, to, just to say, though, that thing with the chord track within Cubase, so it's like... Gone, missed you. Your audio's just muted. It's a secret. Yeah, we'll never know. <laughs> never gonna know. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, if you put in like a lead vocal, <laughs> your oh, audio keeps coming out. Yeah, I can now. Oh, yeah. So, so just like so, your lead vocal changes to follow the chord sequence, and as you change the chords, then the thing then changes. So, from a songwriting point of view, it's oh wow, wow, it's absolutely brilliant. It's ah, okay. really exciting. So we'll have to maybe make a video about it or something. That'd Nick. be great. I'd love to. Yeah. Love to get the yeah. opportunity to do that. I mean, now we've got uh, uh, some more facilities. We can certainly make it look, make the background look good. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be distracting. We can get it strobing if you like. Um, brilliant. Okay. Well, thanks very much for that tip, Gaz, and thanks very much to everybody. Uh, Gaz is going to be. I'm guessing you've got off on tour um, probably next couple of shows. At, well, next yeah. week I'm not around, and the week after Japan, we're so. getting into April, and I think. We may have a new sponsor as well, which is... Uh, well, we have got a new sponsor, so I'm going to look forward to uh, running that. That's going to be quite exciting. Um, or at least um, certainly better than not having one. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, thank you very much. I'll start, uh, as Rich chuckles away there, thank you very much for joining us, Rich. Really appreciated it. Good to have you back, and I hope we can get you again at some point in the future. Um, and, um, yeah, are you off back? you back into studio world now? You're back in uh, back home? Yeah, a bit of studio world now, and then there's going to be a few more gigs and oh, right, cool. a little more studio and a few more gigs. I guess summer's sort of nearly coming, so it'll be festivals, I guess, will it? Hope so. Yeah, and uh, there, there are some UK things uh, that are being advertised, so I assume we're doing them. Excellent. Well, I look forward to that. Maybe we'll <laughs> actually be able to hook up. That'd be really nice. I'd like that, yeah. Thank you very much for coming, Rich. It's been a pleasure. Yep. And also, we'll say thank you very much to Mark Tinley uh, over there. Um, oh, he has to talk. Then he's then he will pop into one of my celebrity squares. I'll show you how it works. Look, if he talks, he'll go into. Where are you going to oh. talk, Mark? You have to say something. I'm talking. I'm talking here. Yeah, not enough, clearly. Right, there we go. There's Mark. So I know I can... I don't think I could ever be accused of not talking enough. Oh, I don't know. So, well, so Mark, hopefully tomorrow, um, we'll be able to get together with you and some other people. Yeah, I do hope so. I mean, it would be nice to do that, wouldn't it? Yeah, and we'll have a a piece. So thanks for joining us, Mark. It's been a great pleasure. I'm glad you you joined the iPad uh, world. Uh, I'm now feeling incredibly left out because my iPad is so vintage that it doesn't run hardly anything really much, so... Mine's very little and I can't really see it. Have you got a mini, have you? Yeah. (laughs) I think I need the next strength up in glasses now because I did actually get the Korg thing after poo-pooing it a few weeks ago and saying, who would need that? And I'm sort of quite blown away by the Korg thing and I'm really absolutely blown away by the fact that I can, over wireless, connect my iPhone with a K-oscillator on it to the Korg thing on the iPad and they play in, in time. It's like Amazing. magic. Yeah, it is. It's like, how do they do that? It's just, <laughs> I mean, go back 30 years and we're like wrestling around with sync code and now they're just like, it's doing it in the air, man. Wow. Yeah, it's astonishing. Anyway, Mark, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure yeah, having you. Very well. And we got Dave Spears up there. Um, now you're in one of my little squares. So uh, thank you for joining us too, Dave. Uh, a, a pleasure as ever. We've missed you a couple of weeks as well. So uh, hopefully we'll have you back again. Yeah. Try so, getting rid of me. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Well, and, and also... Gas next week as well, aren't I? Oh, uh, well, yeah, of course you'll probably be... Uh, going are you coming down to Brighton? Yes. Lovely. Yeah. I'm bringing yeah. it. I'm bringing 25th, the post. 25th of March in Brighton, Comedia. We're doing a warm-up gig uh, with the Carl Hyde Project. So if anyone to come down excellent i wish i could make it i'm actually going to be in a caravan hopefully in the sunny south of england but uh not looking that way at the moment it's sunny (laughs) yeah i'm not sure that's actually going to be the case i'm just going to take lots of warm clothes and and isn't brighton in the south of england no it's in the south east whereas i'm going to be in very far southwest i see down in Cornwall. i'm probably about 200 miles away from brighton 
Cornwall, I see. Cornwall. That's right. That's where I am. Anyway, thank you, Rich. <laughs> also, and um, have I said goodbye to everybody? I, th- I think we have. So, goodbye to me. Ah, no. Well, Gaz, of course, we can say goodbye to you too. So thank you very much for joining us too, Gaz. Glad we got your... Oh, pleasure. Uh, you got your text Sorry about out. my... Um, I am using my iPad as a modem at the moment because my house broadband has crashed, hence my dodgy... So really, you're doing this over, over um, 3G? Personal hot... 3G, Jesus. Yeah. That's wow. brilliant. Mm. Impressive. Video. Impressive mm. stuff. Yeah, it's better video than you get on your... Uh, generally. I don't know what's happened to my, my house Wi-Fi. It's well, it's just dark. It's gone, totally it? dead. Don't know oh, what's well. going on. Anyway, thanks very much. Uh, that was Sonic Talk number uh, 200, uh, 305. Go on. In fact, what I could do is play out with a little bit of... Uh, um, a little bit of push. I, I'm not sure I'm going to play anything meaningful, but I mean, it's, it's a way to fade out, isn't it? So I've got a little pattern going on here. <laughs> <laughs> 